Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Romans chapter 7, if you turn there with me this morning. Romans chapter 7. Last week, as we were finishing the year 2021, we started a new series for Sunday mornings on the topic of habits. Small disciplines, big results. And the reason uh, that God uh, began to lead me this direction is because A lot of people make New Year's resolutions at the beginning of the year. Maybe some of you have uh, already begun to implement some changes in your life. And uh, I want to submit to you, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Last week, we kind of spoke about that, that we recognize our need for change. Anybody here perfect yet? Anybody here sprout angel wings? I'd love to have a conversation with you if you have. Uh, The truth is, we all recognize that we need change in our lives. Um, And so this is why it's a tradition at the beginning of the new year that we begin to take stock of our lives and recognize there's some areas, there's some deficiencies, there's some places that haven't been working out the way we want and we have a hope, we have a desire for our lives to change. And so a New Year's uh, resolution is a good way to begin that journey. You know, the problem, though, is... 92% of New Year's resolutions are either broken or forgotten by the end of February. (laughs) It is a short-lived desire. And so uh, what we want to do today is we want to find some biblical principles that will give us the tools that we need to change ourselves, to see God help us to change and implement those things in our lives that we know could be better. And so uh, last week, we, we spoke about the, the, the beginning of every change in your life begins with recognizing that outside forces may have had some impact on our lives, but ultimately, if we want to change, we've got to take responsibility. Jesus began to rebuke the Pharisees, and what did he tell them? He said, you think that by eating some food that hasn't been blessed in the proper way, that that is going to make you impure. Jesus said uh, instead that it is not what goes into the man that, uh, that corrupts him, but it is what comes from within. That our hearts, it's out of the heart of man, proceeds violence and murders and thefts and lies. He says, don't be blaming the food that you ate. Instead, you should take responsibility and recognize, I'm the problem. And that is, how many know, that is the beginning of the life that is changing. When we recognize uh, it wasn't because somebody put a bag of potato chips in front of me. The reason that I'm overweight is because I ate it all. Right? 
when you recognize I'm the problem. And do you know why that's so powerful? Because when you take responsibility for where you are today, it means that you can also take responsibility for changing those things. If you spend your life playing the victim, saying, well, see, somebody else put the potato chips there. See, I have no control over who puts potato chips in front of me. And so uh, it's just my lot in life. It's just the hand that I was given. I guess that's just how it's going to be. And you end up being a slave to all of the forces around you and the things that have happened to you. I believe God has called us to more than that. And I believe this morning that God will empower us to be able to conquer those forces in our lives, causing things to not be as they should. And we're going to read in our scripture here a struggle that the Apostle Paul was having with himself. And I think that you're going to relate to how he is handling this. Uh, but more than that, we're going, to find, we're going to find an answer for how to build healthy habits in our lives which will lead to big results. Let's read together Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. The trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Do you see the personal responsibility there? The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Can you relate yet? But if I know that I am doing that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Sound like anybody that you've seen lately? But if I do, verse 20, what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Right there, we can all relate. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's a pretty dark prediction there. Thank God that's not the end. Verse 25, we find some victory. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature... I am a slave to sin. He goes on to explain in the next chapter how uh, the, the law of forgiveness and grace and mercy can conquer the law of sin and death. What an incredible truth this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, praying that this message would begin to speak to people's hearts. Help us, God, to see those things in us, God, that need to change. And God, give us the strength by the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus to find deliverance and healing. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. This is uh, this part two message I've titled, Who Before Do? 
And you're going to figure out why in just a moment. Who before do. And so I want to speak firstly with you about the power of consistent habits. Every one of you here, you have habits in your life, right? What is a habit? A habit, as defined by the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, is a disposition or condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or frequent repetition of the same act. That is a habit. You have habits. You have good habits, you have bad habits, and you have some that are in the middle that don't matter too much. But every one of us, uh, thank God, uh, hopefully you have a habit of joining together with us on Sunday mornings for church, right? That is something that you do frequently and consistently. And if you do that, you are going to see good results. We've already uh, looked at some of those here in our own service this morning. You should have a habit of joining us for our prayer meeting before the services. When you pray and you have a habit of prayer, this will lead to very good results in your life of knowing God and Him knowing you and communication between you and heaven. You should have a habit of studying the Word of God, right? The Word of God is our spiritual food. I know nobody in here is skipping meals very often, right? And yet, when you skip the reading of the Word of God, you are skipping some spiritual meals. And I want to tell you, you should have a habit daily of getting into the Word of God. And just as much as you eat three times a day, hopefully some of you, maybe more than that, right? You're eating plenty during the day, uh, and then you neglect the spiritual food of the Word of God. When you have a habit of reading His Word, there is a profound effect on your life. It will begin to play out. You'll find revelation. You'll know God more. You'll connect better with His Word, with His truth, and with His people. And just as true as it is that good habits produce good outcomes, how many have figured out that having bad habits will produce bad outcomes? All habits are simply seeds that you plant in the ground. And when you plant a good seed, it will produce a good fruit. And when you plant a bad seed, when you cover your front lawn in weeds, guess what? It's going to produce a jungle. That when summer comes around, you're going to have to get out there with the lawnmower, with the weed and feed. You know, there's going to be a negative result because of negative habits. There's a lot of negative habits we could think about this morning. Some people struggle with addictions of the flesh, uh, smoking or alcohol. Uh, some people struggle with, uh, with profanity coming out of their mouths, words that would dishonor God and dishonor his people, uh, and words that you, would, uh, that you would never say in church, but all of a sudden somebody cuts you off in traffic. And words come out, right, that, that uh, begin to dishonor the, 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 the God that you serve. Uh, there are bad habits of anger and rage, letting your temper uh, control you. These are bad habits. Uh, uh, some people, it's, uh, it's sexual, uh, it's perversion, it's pornography. For some people, it's spending too much time doing stupid things. Wasting time on social media, wasting time on, uh, on, uh, on uh, uh, too much sports or too, what did I say? Too much sports or too much video games or, you know, I'm not saying none of these things are evil in themselves, but when you, when you uh, allow yourself to be conquered by them 
and controlled by them, those are bad habits that begin to contribute to a life that is not reflecting the glory of God. And so a, a habit is something that can truly change our lives. And this is why we want to change our habits, isn't it? So there's a book that I want to recommend to you uh, that every person here, you would get something out of reading it, even though he's not necessarily uh, speaking to the Christian audience, but something so powerful. Uh, it's a book by an author named James Clear, and the book is called Atomic Habits. And some of the things that come out of this book, he says that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. You know, it's about this time of year uh, that, the, uh, that planet fatness is filled to capacity, right? If you try to go to the gym right now, you're probably not going to have a good experience because the place is overrun with the resoluters, the people who've told themselves, I need to get in shape this year, and they'll go once, they'll go twice, they'll go three times a lady, and uh, by the end of two weeks, uh, that that it is, it is emptied out again, and you can go find a, you know, a machine to go work out on again. Some people, some people who are regulars at the gym, they just don't even go for those first two weeks of the year because they don't want to deal with the crowd. What is that? Those are people who, have, who are doing something occasionally and then failing. But s- successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. That's true with our physical fitness. That's true in many other areas of, of our lives. Uh, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, for example, you're going to have to do some good habits in your relationship with your husband or your wife. You can't just treat her nice twice a year, right? You can't just, you can't just uh, think about, oh, I have a wife. I can't be uh, acting stupid all the time. Uh, you, you, you have to do something consistently if you're going to have a healthy marriage. Uh, with our children, uh, you know, one of the mistakes that parents make with their children is that they, they uh, it's not that they never uh, punish their kids for doing uh, bad stuff. It's that they do it without consistency. Like if you, uh, if you get up in the middle of the night and eat all the cookies, uh, I'm going to punish you. And, uh, and, then, and then when you don't hold true to that, when it's inconsistent, when it's, oh, he just had a bad night and uh, I get a sweet tooth too sometimes, right? And we make excuses and then we don't punish consistently. Well, that's going to produce bad results. Jesus, for example, you know, we say, what do we say when, when we're talking about prayer? We say, I don't have time to pray. Can I tell you that Jesus, the Son of God, if there was ever anybody on earth who didn't need to pray, it was him. <laughs> like he was the son of God. He is the son of God. He had a connection directly to the father. And yet, what did he do? He had a habit of prayer. Consistent. He didn't say, I don't have time to pray. He would, re- he would regularly re- re- uh, he would remove himself from the crowds that demanded his attention and his time. And he says, sorry, guys, I, I need to stop praying for the sick today so that I can go pray. If Jesus needed to do that, don't you think we should have a habit of prayer? Paul, he had a habit that whatever city he found himself in on his missionary journeys, he had the same habit. He would do the same thing in every place. He would go to the local synagogue, 
where they're preaching every day about a Messiah. Oh, we wish that the Messiah would come. And Paul would come into the synagogue and he'd say, I have good news for you guys. He came already. And he would teach about Jesus using the scriptures. And from there, people would begin to believe in Jesus. And the Christian church would be born as he preached Messiah in, from city to city in the synagogue. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul had a habit of preaching the gospel wherever he went? Because as he did, these letters that we have in the New Testament, Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, all of these bear the names of the cities where the Apostle Paul would simply share the good news as he went to synagogue on Saturday for the Sabbath day. I wonder what would happen if you and I would have a habit of sharing the gospel with people who are in need and looking for the answer in their life. What would happen uh, to the Christian church today if believers would stop being shy and timid and cowardly and begin to have a habit of sharing their faith and stepping out, even when it's uncomfortable and using the opportunities that God gives to us to speak about the gospel. It got quiet in here, Ramon, what happened? Sean Covey, he made a statement. He says, our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. We become what we repeatedly do. And so your life today is a result of of all of the habits you've had for the last one year, two years, five years, ten years, right? And if you are not happy with something you see in your life today, I have good news for you. By correcting your course and changing the direction, even by a tiny little bit, you can begin the road to a better life, to a life that is closer to God, to a more spiritual life, a more fulfilled life, a more... uh, uh, a, more, a life that is more uh, in line with the destiny and purpose that God created you with. There is a, uh, the spiritual reality of compounding interest. This is a spiritual thing. It's true in the financial world. You know, if you have a 401k, a mutual fund, uh, over time you begin to add money into those accounts. And uh, little by little, uh, one year you get some interest. And guess what? It goes back into the account. You add some more interest. And it's an incredible thing over time that that can build into substantial amounts of savings. This is true in the financial world. It's also true in your life. Imagine if in 2022... You would purpose in your heart, not, not big radical changes. You know, uh, some people bite off more than they can chew, and that's why they give up too soon. But if you would make a purpose in your heart to say, you know, each week I'm going to get 1% better. Each week I'm going to be 1% better than I was last week. And you pick which area of your life that you're going to get better at. 1% better in my prayer time. 1% better in my Bible reading. 1% better in sharing the gospel. And you know, if you would be consistent in that, you might not see a lot of changes instantly, but after 52 weeks, your life could be 50% better. That's pretty incredible when you think about it, isn't it? Compounding interest, compounding effect of small changes. And if you keep those changes consistently, the result will begin to add up over time. The problem is we can get easily discouraged and overwhelmed because we are looking at the way things are today 
and saying, ah, man, it's not, it's not what I want. It's not what it should be. God, I know that you have more for my life. And we see this echoed in, in uh, the Apostle Paul here. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. The King James, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Can you feel the discouragement there? Can you feel the sense of, of, of uh, he's like losing hope, apathy? Miserable man that I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? The problem is when people spend their entire life right there. When you stop reading at verse 24 and miss out on verse 25. So many people frustrated by the, uh, by the, the circumstances of their life, the bad decisions of the past, the bad habits which compound into bad effects. And we say, oh, is there any hope for me? And I want to tell you this morning... You're in the right place. Because in Christ, we have hope. We can change. I want to look then at three reasons why we don't succeed at keeping healthy habits. We spoke last week about the five F's of our life. The five F's which determine our spiritual success with God. They are family, finances, faith, um, Physical fitness and, help me out, friendships, relationships with people. If you have good friendships, good family, good finances, good fitness, and good faith, I want to tell you, you've got a blessed life. In those areas, listen, we need God's help, but the thing is, we make, we make uh, New Year's resolutions to get more physically fit, to have better relationships, to uh, be better in our marriage, to save more money with our finances, right? We make these promises to ourselves, and then there are... It's going to be okay, buddy. There are going to be three big reasons why we don't succeed at these habits. The first problem I see is that we focus on the what and we don't understand the how. So this is something that comes out of that book, Atomic Habits. It's such a powerful principle. He says that when people uh, begin to attempt to make changes in their lives, the mistake that we often make is focusing on the outcomes, the desired outcomes of our lives, right? So if, you, if you're living every week broke, living paycheck to paycheck, and what is the outcome instead that you want to see? You want to, you know, it would be really good if I had an emergency fund and I could pay off my debt, right? That, that's a good outcome to have. The problem is, is if that's all you focus on without addressing the underlying issues of not just I'm broke, but why am I broke? Is it perhaps that I haven't seen a budget for my entire adult life? How come I don't like making budgets? Is it because I don't like the restrictions of restricting my, I want to live free? And when we don't address the underlying issues, we focus only on outcome, and this is what causes us to fail in our promises. If we, uh, if we look at the scale like I did last week and realize, oh no, Christmas has done me in. <laughs> and all of that work I did earlier last year to lose weight, it's all gone. Got to start again. And... Th- my outcome is, well, I want to lose 20 pounds again. <laughs> but maybe, maybe instead of looking at just the outcome, maybe I need to look one step deeper 
at the reasons why I have the current outcome so that I can fix and have a different outcome. I'm getting ready to show this uh, visual on the screen here. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. So the author of this book, James Clear, he says that just having the right goal is not enough to change. Think about this. Every sports team has the same goal, winning games. Every sports team of every league, I, we need to win games and so that we can win championships. But how many know not every team wins? There are some teams that are losers. I'm not going to name names this morning. But so, every team has the same goal, but not everybody reaches the same outcome. Why is that? Because the difference between success and defeat is not the goal that you have. It's more than just setting a goal. It's about putting systems into place, building healthy habits so that you can reach that ultimate goal. Okay, can we show that, uh, that picture on the screen? This is the reason why uh, that many people, we, we, make, we have good intentions. We want to change, but we ultimately don't make it because of these things. So there are three circles on this image. The outside circle represents the outcomes, the actual effects of our lives the things that everybody sees and that we see ourselves. The inner ring is the processes or the systems. These are the habits that we have on a daily basis. It's the things that produce the outcomes. Are you with me so far? The innermost circle here is the most important, and it is our identity. So most people at New Year's resolution time, what are we doing? We're saying, I want to change the outcomes. I want to have more money in the bank. I want to have less numbers on my scale. I want to have better relationships with my friends and family, right? We, we look at the outcomes and we say, how can I go backwards and start here and then work my way back? I want to tell you that is a losing strategy. That is setting the goal of, well, I want to win a championship, but I'm not going to practice dribbling. I'm not going to practice free throws. I'm not going to practice passing. I just want to win more championships. That's all on the outer ring. 
What we must do this morning is we must begin to think about who we are, not just what we do. The innermost ring here is identity. It's the who. Who, I, who am I at, at the root? The second ring is our processes. It's how we do it. It's the habits and the systems we put in place in order to reach the outcome. And then finally, the outcomes is the what. You ask yourself what you want to see. In six months' time, how do you want your life to be different? What are the things? What are the outcomes you want to see? You have to begin with who. Who am I? Goals do not determine success. Systems are what determine success. This author, again, he says uh, that you never rise to the level of your goals. You will always fall to the level of your systems. Think about Daniel. Why did Daniel stand out above all the rest who were in captive in Babylon? Daniel stood out, and he was especially noted. He was famous in the land because he had a system of every day. The Bible tells us three times a day he would turn his face toward Jerusalem to pray. And because of that, because of that system, because of that habit, that had a profound effect on his life. People would see it. It was public. And this is what led him to the lion's den. See, it is incorrect thinking to think that we just need to change our results. What we really need to do is change the systems, change the processes that produce the outcomes. And I will tell you, the only reason you're gonna, the only way you're going to change those processes is to deal with this one. Who am I? So that we can build good systems. Let me tell you a little bit more about this. See, what we must begin to have is a different approach. Imagine the person who is trying to quit smoking. Some of you maybe had that problem at one point in your life. And when you're facing temptation to smoke a cigarette, right, you, uh, I can kind of relate because after living in Eastern Europe for five years, everybody smokes there. And no matter where you go, uh, there's people smoking all around you, just constantly in a cloud of cigarette smoke. Every t- and so even, uh, even Christians, man, it was like, man, I want to go drink some coffee because you need to breathe some of that. <laughs> and you get some of that nicotine addiction. And I can remember like even moving away from Eastern Europe, coming to the States and kind of getting that longing again, even though ah, you can't believe it, man. But it's amazing how addicted it is, right? And so the smoker who's trying to quit, all of a sudden they're around people who are smoking. All of a sudden, they're getting that hankering for the nicotine. See, the person who has not changed who they are says this. Someone says, you want a cigarette? They say, no, I'm trying to quit. But what does that say about who they are? It says, I'm still a smoker, and I'm still trying to quit. Do you know what the better response is? I'm not a smoker anymore. That's my old life. Which one has more power? Because... That second response deals with identity. I am not any longer a smoker. I've decided to change who I am, not just what I do. So in my case, if if somebody puts cheesecake in front of me, my weakness, and I say to them, no, sorry, uh, I'm trying to lose weight. What does that say? It says I'm a fatty and I'm trying to resist the cheesecake. Instead, what should I say? I am a healthy person, and healthy people don't eat cheesecake like that. (laughs) 
There is a person described here, uh, a, a, a woman who, who lost over 100 pounds with a very simple strategy. She began asking this question, would healthy people do that? Would a healthy person in my situation do this? Uh, if she's driving down the street, it's time for lunch, getting hungry. Uh, would a healthy person go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger? Or would the healthy person go to uh, go get a salad? Right? And so just by asking herself that one question, she began to lose tons of weight. Would a, would a person who is financially responsible, would they waste all of their money on trinkets and toys that are going to be replaced in two years? Or would a financially responsible person take that same money and put it in a savings account? And so when you begin to see yourself differently, deal with the who instead of the do, you can begin to build systems and habits that will change your life. The second reason that we don't see progress fast enough. This is the second reason why our habits often fail and our, our, our outcomes don't change. It's because we don't see progress fast enough. This is the problem with microwave mentality, right? There was a time before microwaves were invented where if you wanted to cook a chicken, it would still take an hour to cook a chicken, right? But now you can take the same chicken, throw it in the microwave, and it takes 10 minutes. Right, Miss Ernestine? She knows how to cook some chicken. <laughs> it might not taste good, but you know what? It's cooked in the microwave. And we say dinner, tea, uh, dinner, man, it takes a long time to cook dinner, 45 minutes to cook all that stuff. Just put in the TV dinner, five minutes, baby, beep, boop, pop, up, done. And we expect the same kind of results when we try to change our lives. It's the guy who says, um, uh, this was me, actually, a couple of years ago. I remember uh, that I was uh, unhealthier than I was, than I am today at that point. And I remember I, I started exercising. The problem was I didn't change how I eat. And so I was exercising. I was going to the gym. I was walking the dog. I was sweating my butt off every day, but I wasn't losing weight. And the reason was uh, that I didn't change my diet. I, I, I can't just eat like a cow every day. I'm spending a lot of time on physical fitness. There's other areas. But, but see, my example is that I was working hard, and I didn't say, see the changes that I wanted, and so the temptation right there is, ah, it doesn't work. I guess my body's just different than everybody else's. I guess uh, uh, work, going to the gym, that's just not my thing. And when I didn't see the results in the time that I expected, give up. I read the Bible plan all week, Pastor, and I'm still yelling at my children on the way to church. Didn't see. Didn't see the change I wanted. I, I, I've refrained from buying expensive coffee the whole month. And I only saved $50. What's the use? What difference does it make? Those are incorrect conclusions, aren't they? It's the conclusion that says those small, good decisions don't matter that much. But that's not true. Small, good decisions are still good decisions. And when they add up over time, they can have profound impact. Your life is the sum total of all the decisions that you've made. Think about a pot of boiling water. You put the boiling water and you turn on the stove and you know if you watch it for a minute, it does nothing. But you know while you're watching, it has gone from 40 degrees to maybe 60 degrees. And you put your finger in there 
maybe you don't even feel it. But guess what? Things have already changed. You leave it on there for another minute, it goes from 60 degrees to 80 degrees. All of a sudden, ooh, it feels kind of nice in there. You watch it for another minute, it goes from 80 to 100, and then you're like, ooh, that's kind of hot. And you watch it for about five or six more minutes, and pretty soon you'll see the bubbles begin to overflow. The lesson this morning is that you have to begin and you have to be willing to continue in good habits even when you don't see the results that you expect. Here's the truth this morning. Successful people, people who are successful in finance, in fitness, family, friendships, and in faith, that success did not come overnight. It came as a result of hard work, small decisions, over time. See, the thing is that we begin to envy people. We say, oh, man, I wish I could drive a car like that. Man, how come, now God, why, why don't you, I have to drive this beat up little junky thing, and they get to drive that, ooh, that really nice one. And what do we say? God, you're not fair. Many people, what they don't realize is that it takes hard work and discipline to not go into debt and have a $500 car payment, and to drive a, a decent car that runs, right? That takes time and effort and saving money and spiritual discipline. Our lives often are a reflection of who we are, not just what we see on the outside. It's the things that nobody sees that bring results. Listen to some scriptures. First, uh, Galatians 6, verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is true in the church, isn't it? And we go out on, on outreaches and we hand out flyers and we, we pray and we labor. and uh, God, how come we don't have overwhelming revival already? How come uh, there's still so many empty seats? And we say... But God is, God is working. There's a process of time. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's very encouraging, isn't it? That means in the secret place, the small things that we do begin over time to add up. I'm watching this video that we showed on, on Friday night for our New Year's party. You know, if going from one year to the next and from one service to the next, you maybe wouldn't know that all of those things that we've done as a church in the last 10 years. But you put it together and compress it into a half hour of time, and you're like, man, can't believe we went to all those nations. That, how many souls have been touched as a result of the ministry of this church over the long haul? Hebrews 12.3, think of all the hostility he, Jesus, endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Romans 2.7, he will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Finally, the last reason that our, that our resolutions fail is because the distorted identity sabotages our success. What does the enemy love to do? The enemy loves to tell you you're unworthy. You are not a real Christian because this is what real Christians do. He loves to subvert. And he, listen, the enemy, he will begin. He doesn't attack out here. The outcomes. 
he attacks this right here. The enemy, he will begin to discourage you right there. He'll say, you're not a real Christian. What kind of father would do things like that? What kind of man of God you think you are, right? These are the lies that the enemy tells us. He deals at the level of identity. Why? Because he knows that if we believe those lies, we will fall into bad habits, and those bad habits will produce evil outcomes. That's why he attacks your character. He attacks who you are. What kind of mother, what kind of daughter, who do you think you are? This is exactly the temptation that he offered to Jesus in the wilderness. He said, you know, just jump off the the pinnacle here, and guess what? The angels will come and rescue you. And he says, yes, I know that that's true, but uh, we don't tempt the Lord our God. That's That's not what true believers do. To Moses, what does he say? I am not a good speaker. I'm not wise in my speech. I'm not a person who can do that. Do you see the lie that he has believed? It's it's a lie about who he is, not about what he does. And because I'm not a good speaker, I could never be the deliverer you've called me to be, and I can never preach sermons, and I can never deliver the laws to the people. And thank God he didn't listen to that. Thank God he overcame it. Will you? To Gideon. What did Gideon say? I'm the weakest of my tribe, of my clan. There's no way God could ever use a person like me. To Paul, the apostle, he said, I am the least and the most unworthy of all the apostles. It's an attack of identity, and so my cry to you this morning is a different approach. It's okay to make resolutions, but understand, this is not just about the outcomes that we want to see. It's not just about what's on the outside. This is about changing who you are. Allowing God to do the hard work of shaping our character so that then we can produce the disciplines and the good habits that will change the outflow of our lives. And this, beloved, this is where we have an advantage. You have an advantage over people in the world who simply read a nice book about good habits and and begin to change their lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news this morning. God has given you an advantage in changing who you are. And Paul mentions it in our scripture. He says the answer is in Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our salvation, of our faith. And he says, I have to go away from you because I need to send you the Holy Spirit to live in you, to work in you and through you. And this, beloved, you have the advantage to change who you are. What do you think happens at this altar every time we open it for prayer? It is God digging through the outcomes, the the habits, the disciplines, and he begins to deal with the heart of man to change who you are so that you can rise up from that altar and say, you know what? God touched me. I am no longer a smoker. God touched me. I am no longer an angry person all the time. God set me free. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have a battle with that anymore. Of course not. But you can, with, with confidence and with conviction, you can say, God dealt with me at an altar. And I am a new creation in Christ. Corinthians, old things have passed away and everything has become new. I am born again. 
That is the old me. Can I tell you, we can, we can have the born-again experience again and again and again as we are shaped and renewed and configured into His likeness and His image day by day. God deals with who we are. Focus less on the outcomes you want to see. Instead, start changing the person you want to be. The person who wants to learn an instrument should not ask themselves, how do I play the violin or how do I play the piano? What you should be saying is, I'm a musician. And musicians learn how to play instruments. If you want to lose weight, instead of saying, oh, I can't eat the cheesecake because I'm trying to lose weight. You should say, I'm a healthy person and I don't do that anymore. See, if you can successfully change who you are instead of the do, This is what will cause you to stick it through. The goal is not just to read a book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not just to run a marathon. It's to become a runner. Because your behaviors are a reflection of your identity. Who we are in Christ. Romans 6, verses 6 and 7 says this. We know that our our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Do you believe that? We are no longer slaves to sin, to the things that we do. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Verse 18, now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves of the righteous living. Some of you need to remember who you are. Often the answer to Living better lives is remembering who Christ created us to be. Who are you this morning? You're forgiven. You're set free. You're born again. You're redeemed. You're a child of God. You're an overcomer. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. And if you're not, you can be before you leave. There's a profound spiritual aspect of everything that we're talking about today. Yes, good book by James Clear, Atomic Habits, but... That's only half of the answer. We also have to understand this is a spiritual battle between your flesh and your spirit. But Paul found the answer. Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Have you found the answer for who you are? Not just changing the outcomes, the habits, but dealing with the identity, the heart of the matter. I challenge you this morning. Before you leave this place, you can be delivered. You can can have a new heart, a new spirit put in you so that we can be empowered to create the systems, the processes, the disciplines which produce the good results that we want to see. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as God deals with our hearts. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.